Turn with me, please, to Romans, the sixth chapter, for the previous two Fridays when I was here with you. We talked about this. Romans 6 and 11 says, Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust or desires thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and, in other words, and yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Do you see the word yield? He said, don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but do yield yourselves to God. And do yield your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Two of the most important things you can ever learn in life is what to yield to and what to resist. What to yield to and what to resist. The truth is, many Christians are resisting the Lord on some things and yielding to the enemy thinking it's the Lord. The enemy is very crafty and subtle. He'll never come to you openly and obviously. The scripture says that he uh, transforms himself into an angel of light. The enemy's favorite thing to do is to try to convince you that what he's trying to get you to do is God. That's his main mode of operating. Because, you know, if it's God, you should yield to it. And the less you know the Scripture, and the less you know the Spirit of God, the more easily duped and fooled you'll be. Which is why everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day. Monday through Friday. I mean, that's the minimum. And when I say read your chapter, we're not talking about speed reading. We're not talking about scanning. We're talking about taking some time. It doesn't take that long. And really focusing on what he said. Letting his words get in you. And what you do over week in, week out, month in, month out, you combine that with praying and communing with him. You learn who he is and how he thinks and what his will is and what his will is not so that when things crop up purporting to be God that's contradictory to his word, you'll go, uh-uh, no, that's not God. That's not the Lord, and I'm not yielding to that. I'm not giving in to that. When it comes to sickness... There are many Christians that will try to tell you that an attack of cancer or heart problem or some other thing could be a blessing in disguise from the Lord. Well, if that's true, if you really believe that, why would you go to the doctor? I'm serious. If you believe the Lord sent that there, then by going to the doctor and trying to get rid of it, you are trying to get away from what the Lord's doing. No. 
It's fine to go to the doctor and try to get rid of it because it's not from God. It's a curse. It's not a blessing in disguise or otherwise. Depression is not of God. The scripture said don't let anybody say when you're tempted to do evil that you're tempted of God. For God can't be tempted of evil and he doesn't tempt anybody to do evil. And you'll hear people try to say, well, you know, well, God put me in that situation and he tempted, you know. Uh, no, not to do evil. No. But if you don't know the word and you don't know the Lord, then you're easily tricked, easily fooled, and you can wind up yielding to things you should be resisting. And you can wind up resisting things you should be yielding to. Everybody say, don't yield. To sin. Yield to God. Hallelujah. Yield to Him. In Acts 7.51. Notice this. Acts 7.51. The Spirit of God said through. I believe this was Stephen here. He said you stiff necked. And uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always what? Resist. The Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do ye. He's talking to many of these people consider themselves to be religious, some even leaders. And yet he says, he's telling them, you have resisted the Holy Spirit. We don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. Many have Resisted the Holy Spirit and didn't realize they were resisting the Holy Spirit. I mean, nobody with any smarts would knowingly, purposely do that. These folks that he's talking to, do you think if you'd asked them that morning, do you have a habit of resisting the Holy Spirit? What would they have said? Oh, no, no. They, they love God. They love the Scriptures. But in truth... They wind up resisting the Holy Spirit. Notice with me in Exodus, the 16th chapter and the second verse. Exodus 16, 2. It says, the whole congregation of the children of Israel did what? Murmured. Murmured. They complained. They spoke against who? Moses. Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Who did they speak against? Who? Moses and Aaron. If you skip down to verse 7, Exodus 16, 7, the Spirit of God through Moses told him, said, in the morning you're going to see the glory of the Lord. For he hears your murmurings against the Lord. Wait. Wait. Who did it say they murmured against? Moses and Aaron. What did the Lord say? He said, what are we that you murmur against us? Keep reading. Moses said, this shall be when the Lord will give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning to the full. For the Lord hears your murmurings which you murmur against him. Did they think they were speaking against the Lord? No. Who did they think they were talking about? Moses and, Aaron. Moses and Aaron. But the Lord took it personally. And why wouldn't he? Because he's the one that sent Moses and Aaron and told them what to say. 
So how could it not be? People say, oh, no, 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 Lord, I, you know, you and I, we're like this. But that Moses, I have had it with him. <laughs> and Aaron, I just can't stand Aaron. <laughs> Why am I saying this? So many times people think they've got a problem with a person or persons. And they're speaking against them. And the truth is, they're resisting the Holy Spirit. They are murmuring against God. He said, the Lord hears your murmurings, which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. This is revelation. Sadly, God is not very real to many people. Even a lot of people that believe in him. He's not very real to them. And, uh, you know, Brother Hagin used to say this, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now. He said, uh, many people would not recognize the Holy Spirit if they met him coming down the road with a red hat on. I guess a hat that said Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the further I've gone, I believe it to be true. So many people who think, well, the scribes and the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. When we say doctors of the law in Jesus' time, we're not talking about, you know, just the legal system. We're talking about the law of Moses. They lived to talk about the scriptures and debate the scriptures the law and the prophets. And Jesus shows up. He is the fulfillment of all the prophecies. He is everything that the law and the prophets have been talking about and what they do with him. They completely rejected him. So can you see what Brother Hagee is talking about? Many, even Christians, could meet the Holy Spirit and not know who they met. I don't want that to be true concerning me. How about you? But beware of speaking against people or getting, getting irritated and mad against people, especially people who say they are called of the Lord or are endeavoring to speak by inspiration or teach and preach, not that they couldn't make a mistake and it be them instead of God, but if it's the Lord who gave it to them and you're speaking ill of it, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're speaking against Him, even though you think it's a person you got a problem with. So when He talks about yield to the Lord, don't yield to wrong. It includes this. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4.8. 1 Thessalonians 4.8 says, He that despises, despises not man, but God, who's also given us his Holy Spirit. There were people who were despising Paul. They, they were coming against him. They were speaking, you know, harsh and judgmental things against him. There were people that said Jesus 
had an evil spirit. Right? And that's when he talked about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to an evil spirit is very serious. You don't want to go there. You don't want to say that. So many times you should just be quiet. If you don't know, you don't know, right? And you should be open. Because you don't know what the Lord's told everybody. Just because he didn't tell you that. How can you say for sure? Unless it just contradicts scripture. How can you say for sure he didn't tell them that? And what's that between you and them anyway? Right? That's their business between him and them. If they're wrong, if they're lying about the Lord, well, that's he'll take care of it. That's between him and them. But if he told them something and you mock it and you make fun of it, you can wind up mocking God. Can you see this? These people thought they had a problem with Moses and Aaron. And the Lord took it personally. He said, I hear your murmurings that you murmur against me. Paul, you remember, met Jesus on the road to Damascus. On his way to persecute some Christians. Right? He's going to stamp out this new cult that's in the way of proper Judaism. And what did the Lord say to him when he saw this bright light and he hit the ground? What did he say? Saul, Saul, why are you bothering these Christians? No, no. Huh? No. Why, why are you being so mean to these dear people? No, what did, what did he say? Anybody remember what he said? Why are you doing this to me? To me? And that's when Saul said, who are you? Lord. <laughs> he didn't know who he was, but he knew whoever he was. He was Lord. <laughs> and he's probably just choking on the fact that he's the one he's trying to stamp out. And he really is raised from the dead. And he just met him on the road. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? That's what the scripture says. He that despises not man, but God. In Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 16. Luke 10, 16, Jesus said, he that hears you, hears me. He that despises you, despises me. And he that despises me, despises him that sent me. God is big on delegation. Can you see this? I know some people have a problem with this, but I'm quoting scripture from 1 John. If you don't accept Jesus, you don't have the Father. Because you have rejected who he sent. His own son. I'm quoting scripture. If you don't have the son. 1 John said. You don't have the father. Jesus said. If you don't believe I'm the one. You will die in your sins. 
And isn't that what Jesus just said? If you don't receive me, you don't receive the one who sent me. But then he extends it to people and the ones he sends. He said, if you don't receive the one I sent, you don't receive me. You know, we've got over the platform here. 1 Samuel 2.30, I believe it is. He said, those that honor me, I'll honor. The rest of that is, those that despise me will be lightly esteemed. And so many people think, well, you know, God, God, oh, I, I honor God. But then they've spoken evil of and judged and railed against his people, not realizing that if it really is his people, Especially if they're saying something he told them to say, doing something he told them to do, he takes it personally directly. I want you to pray a prayer right now because I, I, I believe your heart is this. Say it out loud. Father God, Father God forgive, me forgive me for ever speaking against, ever speaking against anything that was you. Forgive me of ignorance or disrespect. And I ask you to show me, reveal to me, help me to understand what is you and what is not you. And to recognize you, no matter who you're speaking through or working through, and to give honor to whom honor is due. And to honor those you send. And receive them as receiving you and thereby honor you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You believe he'll help us with that? He'll answer that? Without question. Without question. Go with me to Acts, the 13th chapter, and see a further application of this. Acts 13. Now, we're still talking about what to yield to versus what to resist. There are folks that have resisted people and got upset with people not realizing they're actually resisting God because he's the one told them to do that. Here we see in Acts 13 and 44 in the ministry of Paul he came to this place and, and preached the gospel in the synagogues And the next Sabbath day after he preached came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. So this is a big thing. I mean, the crowds came, almost the whole city showed up, we'd say, for church. Is that a big deal or is that a big deal? That's a big deal. To hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And then what'd they do? They spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Did they think they were speaking against God? No, No, they wouldn't have believed it. If you'd have told them, they wouldn't have accepted it. But were they? Yes. Yes, they were. And what was their motivation? Keeping the doctrine right? Many people 
who claim they're adamant to keep pure and right doctrine are actually have other motives. What's the real motive here? Almost the whole city showed up. Not for them. They've been there every Sabbath. The whole city ain't showing up for them. (laughs) And Paul speaks one time. And the next time he speaks, you can't fit the people in the building. And the scripture tells you, they were filled with what? Envy. Envy. Said out loud, envy, envy is evil. Is evil. Envy is absolutely evil. It is of the nature of the devil himself. It is absent love. It absolutely is. You, you think about it in Jesus' ministry. They did the same thing with Jesus. Not too many years before this. Somebody getting healed. And they got mad because Jesus ministered to them on the Sabbath day. Right? Well, there's no love in that. Here's a woman has been sick for years and years and now is healed and free. And you're not even happy about that? All you're going to do is fuss about your doctrinal point? Can you see this? What was the real motivation? They said, don't, you know, there there are six days in which men can work. Come on them and be healed. Not on the Sabbath day. Well, that's hypocrisy. They never had a healing day. Come one of the other days. What day you have in your healing meeting? Never. In the month of none. (laughs) Right? Can you see the hypocrisy? What's the real motivation? Envy. It's evil. Envy. This is why Cain killed his brother. When there's only, what, maybe four human beings on the planet? Why? Envy. It was over an offering. And see, he thought he had a problem with his brother, but he had a problem with God. These people thought they had a problem with Paul. But who sent Paul there? Who gave him that revelation? Who put that anointing on him that caused the whole city to turn out on the second Sabbath? So who are they opposing? Well, it said they were contradicting what Paul spoke and they wound up blaspheming. That means they're speaking derogatorily of God himself. That's what blasphemy is. Vilifying and speaking derogatorily of God. And it was because of envy. Could they have gone a different way? If their hearts had been good. If their hearts had been right. Could they have shouted and said, we've been praying for a move of God in the city? Couldn't they have? We've been praying. My great-granddaddy prayed for a move of God in this city. And look at this. Look at this. Almost the whole city here at church this morning. Could they have been happy? 
but because it wasn't them up front. Because it wasn't them that could try to take credit for it. They were dishonest. Now notice what the scripture says about this. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. They didn't, they didn't apologize. And they didn't try to smooth things over. They said it was necessary. That the word of God should have first been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you. And judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Look, look at here. We are going to the Gentiles. That'd make them madder than ever. <laughs> Whew. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I've set you to be a light of the Gentiles, as you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And then the Gentiles, when they heard that, they were glad. They said, Yeah. We want it. Come over here and help us. We like it. And they glorified the word of the Lord in glorifying and respecting what Paul was preaching. Who did they actually honor and glorify? God. The Lord who called Paul. The Lord who sent him. The Lord who gave him that revelation. Can you see? God manifests through human vessels, right? And we need to know him well enough to recognize him. No matter who he's manifesting through or speaking through or how imperfect that vessel might be. I've been to places, other countries, other parts of the world were radically different culture-wise. And and there's been more than once that their customs were so different from anything I grew up with until my head's going, mm-mm, no, I didn't say anything, but, but I'm, I'm thinking, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I close my eyes and I think, now hold on, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Open my eyes and I go, uh-uh, no, because <laughs> that's not how we do it. Right, right, yeah. But then I'd get quiet and quit that, and I'd think, no, no, that's the same Holy Spirit communes with me every day. Should we be able to recognize him, no matter how different the trappings may be or the vessels may be, it's him. We want to respect and honor everywhere, any situation. Because the truth is, a lot of our ways are just our ways. There's a whole lot of things people think is the Holy Spirit and it's just stuff we've come up with and our traditions and stuff we got, we got used to doing it that way and the truth is the Holy Spirit is very accommodating. He will work with you. He'll give you wide margins. <laughs> you hear people say, well, you know, don't... Uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And absolutely that's true. But some people have the idea that basically every service or anything that we're doing, the Holy Spirit comes in at the back door. <laughs> he looks around, and usually not five or ten minutes into it, he goes, ah, ah, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank God that is not true. Amen. That is not true. That is not true. 
One of the first times Phyllis and I ministered in a church where the Spirit of God was really giving us word of knowledge and gifts of healings and that kind of thing, I was so excited that these things were happening. And the people, though, were completely unfamiliar with this kind of ministry, very traditional church. And so the Spirit of God was actually giving us a word of knowledge and an utterance. And a person jumped up and interrupted me, just talked me down. Just, and, and really, it wasn't just me they talked down. And it bothered me so much because they just, they just shut me down. Now, they, they had a good reason. They had just been healed. But it was very disrespectful, but they didn't have a clue. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose this. And, and when they, they went on and on and reminded me of the woman with the issue of blood, told him all the truth and what she did. And I thought, oh, come on. And finally they sat down and that utterance came right back. I thought, glory to God. And then I thought I had it and somebody jumped up again. This happened a half dozen times, but every time the utterance would just come right back and we'd feel, why? The Lord knew they didn't know any better. They weren't purposely being disrespectful or trying to interrupt what the Lord, they, they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know why it was happening, what it was. But people who know better now should do better. All I'm saying is, it was a revelation to me, the Holy Spirit is not easily offended. He'll tolerate a lot of stuff. And if he, if he is grieved, there's good reason why he is. People have purposely been disrespectful and ignored and resisted him too much, gone too far. No. He said that, uh, verse 46, you put it from you. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you. The spirit of God and the, the holy things of God are given to people who value them. And if... Even your forefathers were faithful to the Lord. The Lord will do things for the next and next generations just because of that. He'll even send good things to you knowing they won't receive them. But he is righteous in that he made it available to you. Can you see that? Knowing. I've had the Lord, both Phyllis and I, both send us to places and situations and he knew they weren't going to receive what he told us to say and do. And afterwards, I'd just shake my head and go, Lord, you knew they weren't going to receive that. But he'd reveal to me in time to come, they're going to say, Lord, why didn't you give us that opportunity? He's going to say, I did. I sent it to you. And you didn't want it. And so he said it was necessary that this should have first been spoken to you. Because to them, to their forefathers, belong the covenant. But since they don't want it, he says, you don't want it, we're going to the Gentiles. Because they want it. And the next verse said, the Gentiles were happy. They said, you got that right. You come over to our place. You can preach all day long. Come on. <laughs> right? And the Spirit of God will manifest where people want him. 
He'll minister his holy things where people desire it, where people respect it, not where they shut it down. But notice this phrase. He said it was necessary the word of God should have first been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you. And, and that word means you shove it off, you reject it. And you do what? Judge yourselves unworthy. Who judged them unworthy to get this? Not God. The truth is, the Lord has made us worthy to receive it. But even though he has bought it, paid for it, given it to us, and made us worthy to receive by his blood, you can still judge yourself unworthy of it by despising it and by rejecting it. We know that's true of the new birth, of salvation, but it's true of all the other good things of God. It's true concerning healing. Many have rejected healing. They've scoffed. They've mocked at it. They've made fun of it. They've made fun of laying on of hands. They've mocked people falling under the power. They've ridiculed people uh, shaking or falling under the power. They've ridiculed it. Claimed that they're more intelligent to go for stuff like that. They didn't keep it from us. All they did was judge their self. Can you see this? Unworthy of it. By the grace of God, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this by the grace of God. You know, we, we talked about Cain and Abel a few minutes ago. But in Genesis 4... It said when Cain and Abel brought their offerings to the Lord, Genesis 4, 4, the Lord had respect to Abel and his offering, but to Cain, his offering he had not respect. Cain was wroth, and his countenance fell. Watch out for this. When you get real mad, get real upset, there are times when people, they're, they're so mad at somebody else, and the truth is, they're mad at God. He didn't do what they wanted him to do. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you wroth? Why are you so mad? And why is your countenance fallen? You're depressed. You're angry. Why are you? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. Is he saying you can have acceptance too? Is he saying, you can have blessing too. Is it a choice? But you got to get rid of this judging your brother. You got to get rid of this anger. You got to get rid of this despising. Because if you don't, sin and the wages of sin is death is at the door. And we know the sad truth is he didn't listen to this. He didn't listen to the Lord. He didn't humble himself and repent. And make a change. And wound up murdering. His brother who hadn't done one thing against him. All his brother did was love God more than he did. And was willing to give a greater offering than he did. Every time we see a blessing in somebody else's life. How we respond to it. 
will result in us qualifying for the same or judging ourselves unworthy of it. Every time we hear a blessing, when you hear an outstanding miracle, you can try to dissect it and take it apart. You can reason about it. Did it happen? Didn't happen? Well, you, if you don't know, you don't know. But you know your God can do anything. Even if they're making something up, he could do that or greater. Right? So why do you want to mock it and make fun of it? How you react to it and respond. And if you love people and somebody received a bigger miracle than you did and quicker and faster and easier, if you care about them, what's your response going to be? You're going to be glad for them. Is that right? You're going to go glory to God. Glory to God. (laughs) We found out this afternoon that somebody got something that Phyllis and I have been believing for 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 a few years now. And they got it. We're shouting about it. We're going glory to God. We're happy. If we had to pick between their getting theirs now and us having to wait, what would love do? Love would say, let them get theirs. Right? I'll get mine. God will take care of us. But when you look at it and glare. Oh, you got that stinky attitude. Somebody tell you about it and you go, oh, praise the Lord. That's great. Yeah, great. <laughs> What's going on? Choking on envy. Envy's evil. I mean, it's the nature of the devil himself. You don't want a shred of it in you. And it's not loving them. You'd rather they do without and you have it now. That is not Christ-like. The Lord's willing to sacrifice himself, right? So we could have something. When it comes to prosperity, when it comes to abundance, this is not seen any clearer than in these areas. (laughs) Y'all are quiet. (laughs) Do people get up in arms about things, material things, and money? What folks are not realizing, if you hear somebody get something great or big or expensive or nice and you find fault with it and you criticize, what did you just do? You judged yourself unworthy of a like kind thing. Do you want to do that? You never want to do that. You want to be happy? Something came up some years ago. Somebody told me about a, uh, a dog that this fellow bought. And he was a, a $100,000 dog. And they bought it. And the people that had him built him an air-conditioned doghouse. <laughs> hey, boy, some people were, oh, they were talking about that. And they were saying, that's, cra- that's ridiculous. That's disgusting. That's a- no, that's a blessed dog. <laughs> Y'all with me or not? That's a blessed dog. 
And, and these people were believers too. So blessed people, blessed dog. That's disgusting. That money should have been given to the poor. That is a quote from the Bible. And, and many people ignorant of the scriptures think Jesus said it. <laughs> but anybody who knows the Bible around here, who said that? Judas <laughs> Iscariot is the one who said this should have been sold. The woman who had that alabaster box of ointment that cost $20,000, $30,000 and she dumped it on Jesus' feet. Judas was the one who said. And some people say, well, Jesus never received expensive thing. He most certainly did. He received that and he corrected his disciples for saying anything against her. No. If you don't rejoice in God's goodness, then you judge yourself unworthy. Could those Jewish leaders have had a completely different outcome? Could they have had big meetings? Could the move of God have continued? And they been anointed. And they got revelation. Oh, you know they could. Paul's not going to stay there very long. He's about to go. Would God have wanted that to go on? Of course. Who's he going to use? People that respect it. People that value it. People that will yield to him instead of resist him. They could have had big crowds. They could have had great meetings. But they did one of the dumbest things. They spoke against God. They rejected it. And yet they thought they just had a problem with this Paul guy. And he said, you've judged yourself unworthy. Unworthy. <laughs> Say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Your great goodness. Hallelujah. Listen to the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. I think we're just about, just a few more minutes we'll be done for the night. But I don't want anybody missing a blessing. Not tonight, not tomorrow, not next week. Somebody get something bigger than you. $100,000 dog with an air-conditioned dog house. What do you say? That just makes me sick. That just disgusts me. Well, how much money you got in that doghouse? None. How much money did you put in it? None. What's it to you? Right? Well, that just disgusts me. Anybody that says that is a hypocrite. They're not doing what they're claiming that person should. Well, they, they could have sold that and given that to the poor. Well, you got something you could sell. And give to the poor. You got two cans of beans? You don't need both of them cans of beans. You could give one. Right? We're going to see a scripture in a minute that, that clarifies that. Yeah, but I don't have all that money. It's not about amount. It's about heart. It's about percentage. And if you don't do what you claim somebody else should do, you are a big old fat hypocrite. And what's sadder is you have judged yourself unworthy of receiving good and nice things that the Lord would like to do for you, and you'll go through life bitter. 
and envious at everybody else. And you go, why did God ordain for me to be broke all the time? And, and me, he did not. It's just you've had a stinky attitude. And have held on to it. No, you need to rejoice when your brother gets something. When your sister gets something. When your stranger gets something. If it's good, if it's nice, if it's a blessing, if it's enjoyable, you need to go, that's great. I'm all for them. Right? God's a good God. How good is he? He's better than you think. Right? He's able to do. And also willing to do. Exceeding. Abundantly. Above anything you ever thought. Or ever asked. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Do what? Rejoice. Evermore. Pray. Without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. What's the next word? Two words, despise not. How do you quench the spirit? By despising. The spirit of God starts saying something or doing something, and you wrinkle your face up, and you don't like it, and you despise it. If enough people do that, The Spirit of God says, fine. You don't want it? These people want it. I'll go to somebody that wants it. This is how he is. If you don't think so, study the Scripture. And of course, how else can you be if people don't want you? Either you're going to make them accept you and receive you, or you're going to say, who wants this? Who wants this hundred thousand dog? Dollar dog. <laughs> Who wants the air conditioned dog house? Who does? That makes me sick. Well, you're not gonna be bothered by it. That's right. Somebody over here goes, I'll take it. That's right. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but will they be persecuted oh, yeah. for the hundred thousand dollar dog? Yes. And the air conditioned dog house. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if they lied and they stole to get the dog, well, that's bad. But if they got it the right way, that's good. Right? And if you don't know, you should be quiet. And just say, that's a blessed dog. (laughs) Huh? And I'm glad for him. It's hot out there. (laughs) I'm glad for him. Quench not, say it out loud, quench not, quench not, despise not. Despise not. That goes together. If you despise something and it's from the Lord, you just judged yourself, you just shoved it away and you judged yourself unworthy of it. But if you rejoice and honor what the Lord has done, you just qualified yourself for the same or even greater. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Yet for your sakes. He became poor. So that you through his poverty. Might be poor also. Are you sure? 
He was poor, so you should be poor. What? Why, why am I talking about this? There's a lot of people confused about this. People say, you should be, you should be like Jesus. I heard somebody say one time, they said, you preachers should be like Jesus. Uh, he laid down with the lepers. That's what they said. You should lay down with the lepers. No, honey. Jesus healed the lepers. He didn't lay down with the lepers. <laughs> Why am I talking about this? Millions of people think like this. And they're so indoctrinated with tradition that it's made the scriptures of no effect. You, you can give them a scripture and they just look at you blank like, no, lay down with the lepers. No. Your heart should be touched. Compassion should go out of you toward people in need. But you don't want to go down with them. You want them to come up. Is that right? And the more down you are, the less you can help them. And the more up you are, the more you can help them. You know, the Lord ministered to me recently. It's been a few months now. We got involved with some people that dug some uh, water wells in Africa. And that's wonderful because the people didn't have, the tribes there didn't have decent water to drink. And we, we actually bought a, you did, the church ministry, bought a truck, a, a well digging truck, a brand new one. And I guess it's still digging wells. That's better than one well. Buy a truck, digs a well. And, uh, you know, when people are fighting the so-called abundance message, that's what they're fighting. Being able to do things like that. And we don't talk about that all the time, and you're not supposed to, but when they showed us some video, and many of you saw it, of a fresh well that had been dug, and the people were ecstatic. And there were some little boys and little girls dancing around, and that was great. And the Lord quickened to me, this is good, but if this is all there is, it's not enough. What do you mean? And there was, a, there was a little boy that stood out to me. He must have been eight or nine years old. He's dancing around. He was happy. And the Lord quickened to me, very soon he's going to be 15. And 16 and 18. And he's going to look around his tribe and his area there. And if all he's got is a water well, is that enough? Is he supposed to be dependent Does he have to be dependent on somebody else that has more the rest of his life so that he can just have clean water and maybe something to eat? Or would God be his source? Would God help him get a bicycle and a car and a business? Come on, are you with me or not? It's great to do something for somebody but God never intended that any man or woman, no matter where you are, right. have to look to another man or woman as your source right. and be dependent on their kindness to eke out a subsistence. Not the will of God. Or what people are not saying is, we don't know why, but God has ordained that you and your group of people be poor. We don't know why, but we'll help you a little bit here and there. We don't know why, and we don't know why God has blessed us so much. We kind of feel bad about it, 
but not too bad. And we're go- <laughs> but we'll send a little bit every once in a while. That no, 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 no. The Bible said God takes people from the trash heap, and He sits them with princes. Is this the God we know? What will get you there? There is no amount, nobody, no country has that kind of resources that they can go and fix everything for everybody. We could give every penny we had and it wouldn't make a dent. Are y'all with me? Not to say you shouldn't do something when the Lord leads you. But the only solution is the gospel. Oh, the good news to the poor. Tell me what the good news to the poor is. You ain't got to be poor no more. Is that good news? Is that good news? God, I don't care where you were born, where you grew up. If you're living in a cardboard box in the gutter next to the garbage heap, you look up and believe God. You be willing to honor him and put him first. Those who honor him, he will honor you. He will bring you all the way up. He will bring you all the way out. And you don't have to depend on a man or a woman or a government. Thank God. Don't misunderstand me now. Thank God somebody gave you a meal when you needed one. Helped you get through. Got your water well. That's good, 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 good. But can you see it is not the solution. It's a temporary help. The only thing that takes care of these problems, no government's going to fix these problems. Ever. And all the wealth in the world pool. People imagine, well, the wealth is there. If we could just take the wealth away from these people and distribute it properly, it's been tried. Heard somebody say the other day, well, the problem is communism has just never been done right. Yeah. Yeah. Their folks will believe lies, no matter how obvious. How many times it fails miserably, they're going to try it again. And all of that is godless. It is man trying to meet man's needs. It's a man being your source. We're going to fix you. We're going to take care of you. You ain't big enough. But God... Our great father, he not only can do it, he's already made all the provision. Come on, read the scripture. Read the scripture. You know the grace, 2 Corinthians 8 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be rich. Millions of people insist he was poor, so you should be poor. Somebody say, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. He was poor, so what? He became sin. Not so I could live in sin, so I could be forgiven and cleansed, so I could be made righteous. The chastisement of my peace was on him, not so I could be oppressed and depressed and upset, so I could have the peace of God that passes understanding. Is that right? He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. Not so I could be sick. Not so I could be sick. Don't let anybody tell you a lie. He was made 
sin so you could be made righteous. He was made sick so you could be healed. He was made poor so you could be, you might through his poverty be made rich. People get mad. I had a guy meet me out in the parking lot one day. I thought he was going to take a swing at me. Yelling about, you know, what I was preaching. He didn't like it. He didn't believe in it. I said, what? He said that word. That way I said, what? He said, rich. You kept saying rich. I said, that's in the Bible. I was quoting that. Oh, it made him mad. I know it's a four-letter word. But it's a good four-letter word. Is rich good or is rich bad? Rich and rich is a relative term. We're not just talking about a dollar amount. Rich is abundance. You've got more than enough to meet all your needs, you and your family, your kids, your grandkids, whatever you need, and you've got surplus. You've got more than enough to help preach this gospel we're talking about all over the world to help people with some things temporarily, but also to help get this life-changing gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abundance. Somebody say abundance, abundance, abundance. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. There's always more. But I think it's a good place to end shouting about what he has done for us. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship him. Let's give him thanks. Let's give him praise. Lord, we give you glory. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We honor you. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.